Good evening. Hope all of you are doing well. Maseches Rosh Hashanah, Daf Dalit. We are about eight, nine lines from the bottom of the page on Gimel Amid Beis. We have been learning over the last couple of days, and we're going to end this sugya today and start a new one about the Rosh Hashanah from Malachim, that it is Aleph Nisan. The importance of this, as Rashi highlighted in the beginning of the Masechta, is that people would write on documents the fourth year of so-and-so's rule. So when does that turn, when's the birthday? Like, when do we look at that? So the answer is a line in the sand of Aleph Nisan. Then Rav Chizda came along and said, hold on, it's not true by all kings. It's only true by Yiddish kings, but by a Goyish king, we would say that it's Aleph Tishrei. So then says the Gemara, hold on one second. We're again, 10 lines, nine lines from the bottom on Gimel Mabez, Maskev Lord of Yosef. Rav Yosef asks a question on this. Chada, first of all, if what you're saying, then we have a stira in Psukim, uh, in regards to Psukim, in regards to this idea about Tishrei for non-Jews and Nisan for Jews. First of all, this building was being built into the third month, uh, into the third Yom Tlasa, the third day, into the month of Adar. Which was the sixth year of the king of Daryavish. So remember the months, Adar, followed by Nisan. And then says the Gemara, the Tanya Beososman at the same time, Lishan Haba in the next year, Allah Ezra Mibabil Galusoimo. That next year, a beautiful historical moment where Ezra came up with uh, with all of the others uh, who were exiled with him to come back. And then that was year seven, because we started out in Shis. And then in the next year was Shana Haba. And then you'll see five lines from the bottom. What month is that? Chamishi is Nisan, Iyar, Sivan, Tamus, Av. So they came back in the month of Av. What you're saying is true that, remember that we said that Daryavish was a kosher haya. Daryavish deserved to be treated like a Yiddish king. But if Daryavish deserved to be treated like a Yiddish king, then he passed the month of Nisan. It started in Adar. One plus six talks about Adar. And the next plus six speaks about the end of the year in Av. And you have to pass you have to pass Aleph Nisan. So if Daryavish is going to be treated like that kind of king, like a Jewish king, because he was a good guy, so then why over here does it say in the seventh year, Misa, if he's treated like a Yiddish king, where the where the Rosh Hashanah from Malachim is Aleph Nisan, then Shnas Shmini Smiboyle, the Pasuk shouldn't have said the seventh year. The Pasuk should have said the eighth year. And the oh, that's question number one. We're going to come back to that one at length. The oh, and furthermore, me dummy, the two psukim aren't even related to one another. Hasam Koresh, Hachadar Yavish. One Pasuk refers to this king as Koresh, and the other refers to him as Daryavish. So well, again, we, we, apples to oranges. How can you compare the the king, the king's year, uh, one king's year versus another king's year? So it says the Gemara in strange form, answering the second question first. Tana says the Gemara, who koreshu daryavesh, who artach shasta. They are all the same person. Koresh, why was his name Koresh? Shahaya, uh, Shemelech, kosher haya, overarchingly. He was a kosher king. Wow. He was a kosher king. Artach Shasta, Al Shem Malchuso. Artach Shasta was basically the Paro language, right? It was the, the title of the king. Umashim, oh, his real name was Daryavesh. Shimo, his real name was Daryavesh. So says the Gemara, great, we answered question to me, but still the Psukim haven't been resolved. Once you say that the Psukim are talking about the same person, then we're stuck with assuming that he was not treated like a Jewish king because Aleph Nisan 
uh, was traversed from Adar to Av, Adar, Nisan. He should have changed to the eighth year of his king in the Pasuk. Why does it still say seventh year? So it says the Gemara, two lines from the bottom, and this will carry us for almost a full Amud. Says the Gemara, Amar Yitzchak lo kashya, kam kodem shehechmitz, kan le'achar shehechmitz. We often talk about chametz as becoming a balgaiva, right? In Hashkafa, we talk about that every once in a while, once a year. We have to eat matzah, which is the simple Jew. Chametz is the balgaiva, you're leavened, you're swollen, chest puffed out. So says the Gemara, he became chametz, he became leavened. He became a balgaiva. So says the Gemara, there were two phases of the life of Koresh slash Daryavesh slash Artach Shasta. Uh, is that his name? Yep, Artach Shasta. So uh, he, sometimes he was good and sometimes he was bad. And when he was good, he was treated like a Yiddish king and therefore the, the Rosh Hashanah the Malachim was out of Nisan. But when he was behaving like a behema, as we will soon see that he was, so then he was treated like a Goyesh king where his Rosh Hashanah was changed to Tishrei. Oh, so says the Gemara, Maski Flor of Kahana, Umi Hechmitz. Are you sure? Did he really turn bad? After all, the Haksiv, the Pasuk says, as we turn to the top of Dafdalid Amud Aleph, Umachashkan, what do you need for the Beis Mikdash? Says Koresh, says Daryavesh, Uvne Torin, do you need birds? Vidichrin, do you need sheep? Vimrin, do you need rams? La Alon, la Allah Shemaya, that you need, you can raise up to the to the Lord in heaven. Chantin, do you need wheat? Melach, salt, chemar, do you need wine? Umashach, do you need oil? Whatever they say, you get. That's what we'll give to them. Yom biyom, every day, and you're never going to run out. So what do we see? That he was a good guy. So how could you say that really he wasn't a good guy, that he was hichmid, that, that Koresh slash Daryavesh turned bad? It seemed he was good. So says the Gemara, a very difficult answer. Omar lo, Rabbi Yitzchak. Rabbi Yitzchak says back to Rav Kahana, who asked this question, Rabbi Hold on one second. Mitunach, from the burden that you just gave me, namely, from the question that you just asked, he was going to bring up these uh, these korbanos to Hashem. He was giving them animals. But he was doing it in order to save the life of the king and to save his children. So therefore, he's a bad guy. I don't know. Wait, you ever walk around the base medrash in the morning and you have people who come to ask you for money and they say, Tzedakah, Tatzel, us. It's, it's the heartstring. We're all familiar with the Pasuk. So is it so bad to give something with ulterior motives? Asks the Gemara, eight lines down or so. There's somebody who does this. They, they give tzedakah. They do something nice because they want to they live longer. It's okay. Maybe it's not the most golden of aspirations, but at least it's reasonable, says the Gemara Be'atanya. After all, Ha'omer sel azul a person gives a coin for charity, bishvil she'yichyu b'nai, so that my son will live. Bishvil Forget about the fact that it would, that we shouldn't have viewed Daryavish as being hichmitz for his aspirations. We treat that as, as tzitkus. That's a beautiful thing. Rashi here, all right, I need your help here. This Rashi is fascinating. So what did we say? We said that a person who gives tzedakah so that his child should live or that he should merit olam haba, harez et gamor, says Rashi, fourth line, only if he does so regularly, meaning if you do so as a one-off, you're a Russia. If you do so regularly, so what's pshat? What's, what is Rashi saying? Fascinating Rashi. It seems to be what Rashi is saying is that this isn't a get out of jail free card. It's not pixie dust. 
You have to have a relationship with Hashem. You have to not just give tzedakah once a year. The, the Yom Kippur Yid, you know, he shows up. One, no, and not, not to be critical of that. Better they should come for that than come for nothing. But of all days, come for that day. But if you're going to give tzedakah only when you're in a bind, then a Kodesh Baruch Hu is your get out of jail free. That's not how it works. You have to be ragil v'kach. And then you are a tzaddik gamor, afal pi, that the intentions are negative. So that's a question. And the question is, how can you say that Daryavish was hichmitz if under the circumstances he did something that we treat as tzaddik gamor? Says the Gemara, a very, very powerful answer. Lokasha kan be Yisrael kan when a Jew does something with ulterior motives and weaving in Rashi, he does so consistently. Maybe learning Dafyomi could be a sample of that. Maybe learning at all could be a sample of that. Maybe coming to Shachras, wearing tzitzes, wearing uh, whatever. Wearing, I don't know. We do a lot of things that are, that are habitual and habit-formed. So who says that those things are, are gishmak if they're being done for, for ulterior motives? It says the Gemara, if you're a Yid, then you're a Tzadik Gomer. If you're a Goy, then that doesn't work. So it seems to be that the standard for the guy was a little bit higher, is that they couldn't have an ulterior motive, and therefore we assume that he was hichmitz, because the only reason he was giving these items to the Beis HaMikdash, to the Kohanim, was so that he could maintain his kingship, and that's considered to be an ulterior motive. So all of that was answer number one, that we assume that he gave so on condition of the longevity uh, of his kingdom and for and for his uh, the safety of his children, which is viewed as an ulterior motive. Here is a second answer. We're going to see four answers to this question. Here is the second answer as to how we know that Daryavish was hichmitz, that he became a bad king. And his Rosh Hashanah changed to a Rosh Hashanah of Tishrei. Says the Gemara, Where's another When he was talking about building the building of, of the base of Mikdash, he had three rows of stone, and he had one row of wood. A uh, very interesting word, uh, uh, not a very common word in Tanakh, but the whole language here is a very unique language. Anyways, so that he had one role, and it was protruding from the building. Why did he make some of the building out of wood? So says the Gemara, Savar, what was Daryavesh thinking? He was thinking, if the Jews begin to rebel against me, I have a great solution. Light the building on fire. Because if you have the wood that's holding up the marble, then everything is going to fall down when the wood turns to ash. If they mess around with me, I'll light the building and everything's going to be fine. Says the Gemara. Well, if that's true, then we have a really big problem because Shlomo also used wood in the base at Mikdash. Says the Gemara one third of the way down. Didn't Shlomo also use wood? The Pasuk writes. Shlosha ture gazis vitur kirusos arazim. He used cedar. So that's a good kasha. You're going to say that if Daryavesh used wood, he's a Russia, but if Shlomo uses wood, he's not a Russia, says the Gemara, not so simple. Three distinctions to make between Shlomo and Daryavesh. Shlomo avad milamala. Shlomo didn't put them in a structural place. Shlomo put them in a decorative place at the top. Ve'ihu avad milamata. He put it at the bottom such that if in fact it was burned, it would cause for a collapse of the wall. Shlomo shake bivinyana. Shlomo had it kind of set in deeper into the wall. Ihu lo shake bivinyana. His was not set deeper into the wall. It was easier to access with fire. Shlomo sadye besida. Shlomo coated the wood that he put there in seed and in lime or in some coating. So we see here that he wasn't such a tzaddik, that he had lit, that he had prepared for the, uh, the scenario where the Jews would rebel against him. And under those circumstances, he would then... <clears throat> 
he would then burn the building down. So he's not a tzaddik. Answer number three, and this is where things get a little graphic. The Gemara says, Rav Yosef, Rav Yitzchak, Amar, Minolan, what does the Pasuk say? The Pasuk says, What is a Shegal? Uh, so it says, My Shegal, It was a female dog with whom he was intimate. This is the uh, Isser in the Torah of uh, not being intimate with animals. So says the Gemara, if that's true, then how do we understand if his Shegal is really talking about a dog with whom he was intimate, then how do we understand the Pasuk, which indicates that a Shegal would drink wine? That you would praise uh, the God above. All of these beautiful Kalim, the aunt, you, and these rabbis or, or the great leaders, uh, and your Shagel, which we need to figure out what that means, and those who are with you, they were drinking wine. Dogs don't drink wine. So it says the Gemara, if you want to say that a Shagel is really a Kalbasa, and he's such a bad guy, and this is bad. And the Mepharshim explained that even by a Ben Noach, there is an Isser for this. And there's a beautiful Vort on this, not to get uh, into any modern politics, but the Vort here of Vehayu the Basar Echad is that you should become a Basar that's able to bring out a child into the world. So that's what some of the Mepharshim say is the reason why the Torah went out of its way by uh, Mishkav Zachar to refer to it as To'eva. Because you're making a decision with Mishkav Zachar to not further the generations. You don't have the right to do that. So that's where some of the commentaries come in with this language. Anyways, um, he says here, how can it be that you can say that this Pasuk is saying that a Shegal is referring to a Kalbasa? Shegal Kalbasa, he Kalbasa Bas Mishtaya Dogs don't drink wine, says the Gemara. Hello, Kasha. There is a way where dogs drink wine. Demilfale Vishasya. You could train them from the word Aleph. Aleph means to learn. So says the Gemara that we can train them to drink wine. It's just what they get used to. Put a little bit of wine every day into the water bowl and do time. They get acclimated to drinking wine. Elameata says the Gemara, hold on one second. Hold on one second. How does the following Nevuah make any sense? Dechsiv, the Pasuk says, Benos Malachim Bikiro Secha. This is a, a nevuah. The daughters of kings with that are that are precious to you will stand. The shegal will be on your right. With this beautiful jewelry. So says the Gemara. This is hard enough to understand in its regular form. What was the navi saying to the Jews in this nevuah? So answers the Gemara. As a reward for the Jews loving Torah, in the same way that this Oved Kochavim was interested in being with this animal, with the Isser of bestiality, that's when you'll be Zoche to having this beautiful jewelry, whatever the rewards are for Torah. Really, it wasn't talking about Shegal as a Kalbasa, as a, as a dog, but rather, really, it's just a uh, queen. But but his own perspective, where he was the one who said it was Kalbasa, so then he was of the opinion that he had a Gemara. Gemara Gamir had a tradition that that's what a Shegal was talking about. Why was a, why would they refer to the Kalbasa? Why would they refer to the dog as a Shegal? He loved this, uh, this animal as much as he loved his own queen.
Inami, or really that's not the case, the reason why the animal was called a shegal was shoshiba b'makom shegal, that the animal was placed where the queen would normally sit. So there was a chair that was set for the queen and the animal would, would sit there. All of this is answer three, which indicates uh, for the third time over that Daryavesh did have a dark side. And therefore, while there were times where Daryavesh was a good king, and therefore his Rosh Hashanah l'malachim would be Aleph Nisan, once he turned a corner, once he was hechmitz and became bad for any variety of reasons, as we've seen so far, then his Rosh Hashanah changed to Tishrei. Yibayseimah, the last answer in this uh, sugya as to why it is that we treated uh, that we treated Daryavesh as first as a Yiddish king and then lastly as a Goyish king, whereas Rosh Hashanah was no longer Aleph Nisan, but now Aleph Tishrei. So it says the Gemari, He'd give silver in the, in the amount of 100. When it came to wheat, he would give 100. He'd give 100 of wine. When it came to oil, he'd give, uh, he'd give only 100 of wine. He can give whatever he wants. So says the Gemara, this was a change because me'ikar below kitsutsa. Initially, he would give without boundaries. He never gave only a fixed amount. So the Gemara says he clearly turned a corner. Okay, it's still good that he's giving, but he wasn't giving like he used to give. And therefore we assumed that he was hichmitz, that something bad happened and he, he became a, a bad person. So that's why we changed his Rosh Hashanah Lemalachim back to the Goyesha date of Aleph Tishrei. So says the Gemara, no, v'dilma me'ikar lo havakim lebekitsusa. Maybe perhaps in the giving, lo havakim lebekitsusa. Maybe that's um, did I skip a line. Meikara below kitsusa. What? You're right. Yeah. Meikara below kitsusa. Hashta bekitsusa. Also says the Gemara. Vidilma meikara lo havakayim lebekitsusa. Maybe in the beginning, when you're saying that he didn't have a fixed amount, it's just that he didn't know what amounts were needed. So he was giving exorbitant amounts, but he saw that there was so much extra. So in year two, he gave a more, more reasonable amount. So he wasn't doing all the wasting, says the Gemara. You're absolutely right. And this fourth answer is not a good in indicator of his becoming Hichmitz. Rather, we should go back to the previous answers of answers one, two, and three. Answer number one was that he had ulterior motives in what he gave. Answer number two was that he put in wood in the base of Mikdash. And answer number three was that he had an inappropriate relationship with an animal. And therefore, uh, we could understand why he was hichmitz. And therefore, we could understand why sometimes when it comes to Daryavesh, it appears that his Rosh Hashanah Lamalachim was Aleph Nisan like a Yid. And sometimes Daryavesh had the uh, Rosh Hashanah Lamalachim, which was like a Goy, which was Aleph Tishrei. That is the end of this very first lengthy sugya of a couple of blot in regards to the Rosh Hashanah for kings. And now we're going to move on to the next one. Uh, you don't have to flip back to the Mishnah. It said that Aleph Nisan was the Rosh Hashanah for kings and the Regalim. So says the Gemara, the two dots, eight or nine lines from the bottom of the page, Regalim Bechad Benisan, who everybody knows on the Jewish calendar, there is no holiday on, uh, on the first of Nisan. Everybody knows that. So says the Gemara, we know that the holiday there is on the 15th of the month. And if that's true, then I, I don't understand. Why would you say that the Rosh Hashanah for Regalim is that? Why don't you say that the Rosh Hashanah for Regalim is on the 15th of the month when it's Pesach? It says the Gemara, Amar Chiza, Regel Shebo, Rosh Hashanah Liregalim. It's the month itself that is treated as a Rosh Hashanah Liregalim. Okay, but but still, like, what are you trying to say? Lamai nafkamina says the Gemara nafkamina lenoder lemekamale bevalte acher. The difference is if a person makes a no a neder to bring an animal, 
um, and, he, and he is obligated to bring it by a certain time. Otherwise, he brings uh, he brings it upon himself an iser de oraisa bal te'acher. Bal te'acher is an iser de oraisa whereby a person makes a commitment to bring a korban and he misses the window in which to bring them. And what is the breaking point during the year for that? It's Aleph Nisan. And that's what the Gemara is talking about. That's why the Mishnah said that the Rosh Hashanah for Malachim and Regalim is Aleph Nisan. It is speaking specifically about the Isra of Baal Ta'acher. And our Mishnah is Rib Shimonhi. Let's see where we see Rib Shimon's opinion. This is a Brisa. I think we learned this Brisa before. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and if we didn't, uh, it's certainly very familiar in my head. I don't know where we did learn it at some point. So it says the Gemara, our Mishnah must be like Rib Shimon. First, let's see the Tanakhama. She said to Tanya, the Brisa writes in regards to the Isser of Balta Acher, the Isser of committing to bring a Korban and then not, not bringing it within its appropriate time frame. So it says the Gemara, Echad Hanoder, Echad Hamakdish, Echad Hamarich. One who makes a neder, one who sanctifies, they give of their own, one who says, I'm giving a specific amount equivalent to person X. So then, the Tanakama, which is not our Mishnah, the Tanakama here says, once you traverse three regalim, any three regalim, so then the halacha is that you have violated the Isra of Baal Ta'acher of not bringing your animal on time. Let's see our Shita. Reb Shimon Omer Gimel Regalim Kisidran Rechag Hamatzos Tchila. Oh, this is our Mishnah. Our Mishnah is like the opinion of Reb Shimon that yes, you need to you need to traverse Gimel Regalim to violate the Iser Deoraisa of Baal Ta'acher. However, it is only uh, the the count of three only starts when Pesach is the first of them. So that Aleph Nisan is the line in the sand. Bechain Hay Reb Shimon Ben Yochai Omer Regalim Pamim Gimel. Pamim Dalid, Pamim Chamisha. There were times that a person who made a commitment would have to bring their korban within three regalim, sometimes within four, and sometimes within five. And the reason that this happened is because the only way that Rib Shimon would say you violate the Isra Baal Ta'acher is when you violate three regalim, the first of which is Pesach. So let's say you make a commitment by, uh, by Sukkis. So what's after Sukkis? Pesach. So if you make your commitment before Sukkot, then you're going to have four regalim Sukkot because the count doesn't start then. And because the count doesn't start then, so therefore you have to wait one regal. So you get the regal of Sukkot plus Pesach Shavuot Sukkot, then you get four. That's what the Gemara details out over here. Ketzad, three lines from the bottom on Dalad Amid Aleph. How do we end up with these various scenarios of three, four, and five um, Chagim, by which one will violate the Isser of Baal Te'acher. Let's say that a person makes a neder right before Pesach. So because Reb Shimon holds it, the Isser of Rais of Baal Te'acher is when you violate, when you forget to bring your korban within three regalim, the first of which has to be Pesach. So since over here, the first one that uh, that you hit is Pesach, your count starts. And therefore, you get Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot. However, Lifnei Atzeres, if it's after Pesach, but before Shavuos, so then Chamisha, because the count doesn't start till Pesach. So let's say that during Sefirah Salomar, I make a commitment to bring a korban. So what's ahead of me? I have Shavuos, and I have Sukkot. And then Reb Shimon says, that's when we start the count. Pesach, Shavuos, Sukkot. So he gets Chamisha, he gets five holidays before violating Baal Tacher. And Lifnei Achag, if a person were to make their commitment to bring an animal, a neder, or, or to be Makdesh, or to be Ma'arich, whatever the case may be, and he does so prior to Sukkot, so then he has four, um, four holidays whereby 
he will then violate Balta Acher. The first is Sukkis. And then his count of the three Rugalim begins with Pesach, followed by Shuas, followed by Sukkis yet again. Now we're going to see another brysa. Some of the shitas are similar, and some of the shitas are different, and then we're going to analyze each of the shitas, and again, all in regards to the Isra of Baal Te'acher, the Isra of committing to bring a korban, and then not doing so on time. Says the Gemara, two lines from the bottom on Dalad and Aleph, the rabbis have taught us in a brysa. All of these are types of commitments. These are all types of korbanos. All of these halachic areas on the top of Daladam and Beza list continues. In all of these cases, the Tanakhama writes, This is very similar to the sheets of the Tanakhama in the previous b'risa, where any three regalim that you uh, pass by, it, it, that is when you will violate the Isra of Rib Shimon Omer, and we already know what to expect from Rib Shimon. We saw him in the last b'risa as well. Shlosha regalim kisidron, we are talking about violating uh, the Isra Baal Ta'acher after three Regalim. However, it's only when V'chag Hamatos Tchila, we saw that already in the previous Brisa. Here's a new Shita. Reb Meir Omer, Keben Shavar Alein Regel Echad over Baal Ta'acher. This is the most Machmer Shita that we've seen so far, which is that if a person traverses even one single Chag, no matter what it is, either Pesach, either Shavuot, it doesn't matter, Shavuot or Sukkot, you will violate the Isra Baal Ta'acher. One should be very careful. Amir Tashem will have the opportunity to bring the Dharma and the Davos. And when we do, we have to be careful about the halacha of Baal Ta'acher. It's an Isr Dorai. So we have to make sure that if we make a commitment that we bring it. There are halachic applications of this. I don't know if they're Dorai stuff, but let's say that a person makes a pledge to a, to a base medrash and they never end up paying it. So I can tell you from, from the board perspective that every year we end up writing off a certain percentage of pledges. Not because people weren't well-intended. I'm sure they were. Maybe they fell on hard times, but you have a halachic obligation to do so. These are Shilas that Roy Robinson spoke about. I just, as Shila came up recently this year, not in our base medrash, but someone in another base medrash, uh, in another shul made a commitment uh, to, to, give some, to give someone in my family an aliyah. And they asked me afterwards if I'd like to participate. So they made a commitment of, let's call it $500. And they said, Phil, I want you to give $100. So I'm happy to give $100, but that doesn't exempt him from what he accepted upon himself. He's obligated, because we never, we never spoke beforehand, he's obligated, Lahora, to pay that larger amount, irrelevant of what I add, because he made a personal pledge. That, he did that without me knowing it. I can't offset his burden. So some of these things can uh, be extrapolated. Is it halachically identical? I don't know. But one has to make sure that when they... When they make a pledge that they do pay it, and here too by the korbanos, the sheet of Rav Meir is very makbid that the Isra Baal Ta'acher can be achieved by making a commitment and then traversing even a single of the Shalash Regalim. Line 5, Daladam at Beis. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov Omer Keben Sha'avralein Shnei Regalim over Bevalta Ta'acher. It doesn't take one and doesn't take three. Even if someone were to violate any two Regalim, then they would violate the Isra of Baal Ta'acher, bringing their korban too late. Rabbi Eliezer, Brib Shimon Omer, Kevan Shavar Lein Chaga Sukos. 
over Alein Bevel This is probably the most unique of all the shitas, which is not only is it the case that you uh, violate the Isser in one Chag, that we saw in Rav Meir, you violate the Isser Baal by having even one Chag pass, uh, pass over in, in regards to timing, but it has to be Sukkis. So now the Gemara is going to analyze um, all four of the shitas that we saw. Let's go in order. Says the Gemara, eight, nine lines down, my time of the Tanakama. Why was it that the Tanakama said that any three regalim work? Mechdi, let's see. Minai Husalik, the Sukkim were already talking about all of these holidays. And if that's true, Lamali, Lamali, If you look in the Torah and these Sukkim, you'll see that all of these halachic discussions existed. All three of the Chagim were spoken about. Why did the Pasuk then circle back? In detail, so the Tanakama holds that because of the seemingly extraneous nature of the words of because we already spoke about them, the fact that it's there is coming to teach us about the Isra of Baal Ta'achir, that one is not allowed to bring their korban late. And how do I know how many? Uh, how many holidays have to be traversed? So the Tanakama would say it's three. So here's the second sheet of Rib Shimon Omer. He said, Rib Shimon responds, hang on one second. I don't need Chagasukos because the last section that was discussed before the Pasuk said, Why does it say? That Sukkot is mentioned there, Lomar Acharon, to teach us that this is the last one. It was the last set of Sukkim that were discussed, and we mentioned it again because it was the last that was discussed. If Sukkot is the last of the three, what's the first? Pesach. So that's why Rabbi Shimon says that yes, it's three, but it has to start with Pesach. The Reb Meir, my Taima. What is the reason for the Shita of Reb Meir that one is obligated to bring their korban within and prior to the first of the Shalash Regalim that comes upon him? Says the Gemara, double language, uh, which seems to imply that the korban must be brought right away. The Rabbanon, what of how do you read that Pasuk? If Rav Meir seems to understand that that Pasuk is for the Isra Baal Ta'acher, that you're not allowed to bring your korban past any of the Shalash Regalim, that's a problem for the Rabbanon. So the Rabbanon say, you misunderstood that Pasuk. That's talking about a mitzvah saseh, to bring uh, to bring your korban. Take a look at Rashi, 10 lines down or so from the top of the page. It's about eight lines, that's probably more than 10 lines down, about eight lines into the thinner lines. Dibur Hamaschil hahula asay. The Rabbanan are explaining how Ula say the mitzvah say alav. Separate of the Isr do Raisa of Balta Acher, there is also a mitzvah say alav lehaviu beregel rishon. They hold that the Psukim says behevesim shama. It's not a negative language. It's even hard to understand what, how Rav Meir understood it. Rav Meir said behevesim shama. And if you don't bring it, it's an Isr do Raisa. That's like saying, uh, you know, ukshartam leos al yadecha. And if you don't put on tefillin, it's an Isr do Raisa. Very strange. Very strange that Rav Meir learned the Psukim that way. And the Rabbanon called him out on it. And they said, that's not a, that's not a, a negative language. That's a positive language. There's a mitzvah saseh to bring your korban on time. We have this all, all the time, that a person has a mitzvah to do something. And if they don't do it, they also violate an isr. That does happen. And then the Rav Meir, Rav Meir, what would you say in response to this? Since the Torah told you to bring it and you didn't bring it, automatically, automatically, Again, a difficult assertion as it relates to the language of the psukim 
Typically speaking, when we see a Torah, it has the word low or some type of negative word in there. It's very rare for there to be a positive language in the Torah, which would then lead to an Iser de Oraisa. But that is how Rav Meir, in fact, understands it. A little bit more than a third of the way down on Dalit Amabez, says the Gemara, we're going to go to uh, the top uh, few lines on Hayam and Aleph, and the, the Gemara continues. What about the Shita of Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov, Maitaima? What was his Shita, Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov? Let's see, what does he say in the Mishnah there? Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov says that it's Turigalim. Uh, where did he get to that? The word seems to be plural, and plural we always look at in the minimal form, unless we have a reason to do otherwise, which is that in the minimal form, we see that it is uh, it is a minimum of two. Well, what about the plural nature of this word? Maybe you should also say two. Why do you say three? So answers the Gemara halfway down. Yona. This is uh, this plural language of Moadim is for Rabbi Yona. All of the Korbanos Musaf of all of the Chagim are connected to one another. They have a Tzad HaShavah Shebehen a common denominator. We saw this idea earlier in Shas, don't remember where, that uh, the Korban Musaf is Mechaper on Tumas Mikdash Vekadoshav on any types of Tuma that take place in the Beis HaMikdash. Lastly, in the Mishnah, Rabbi Elazar, Reb Shimon, Maitaima. Rabbi Elazar, Reb Shimon was of the opinion that only if it passes over Chag Hasukos will you violate the Isser of Balteacher, says the Gemara, Maitaima. The Tanya, the Brysa writes, Rabbi Eliezer, Reb Shimon, Omer, Lo Yomar Chag Hasukos, Shabodi Berakasov. We saw this mentioned earlier by another Marmakom, that why does the Torah have to speak about Chag Hasukos under any circumstances? The previous Psukim were just talking about Chag Hasukos, Loma Neemar. Lomar, that is to say, Shazek Gorim, that this holiday of Sukkos leads to the Isser of Baal Te'acher, and that is how he understood it. And then the Gemara asks um, an implied, uh, not an implied question, a question that is based on inference. The Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov, the two of them, Hai b'chag Sukkos, what is it that they see would be the need for the Pasuk of Chag HaMatzos, Chag HaShuos, and Chag HaSukkos? They, they don't seem to have any use for it. And it is extraneous because the previous psukim are already speaking about all of these holidays. So why then did the psukim repeat almost encapsulating in short form? Why is that? Why, what do they do with those psukim? So it says the Gemara, my darshube, the Gemara answers three fourths of the way down. How do we know that by Shavuos that one has one week to bring the korbanos if they didn't have the chance to bring it on the day up? As we know, there were millions of people trying to bring korbanos. Remember the discussion we had many moons ago about. Yeah, Agrippa Samelech was trying to count, and did they take kidneys? Couldn't be kidneys. It's just so many kidneys, but it was 1.2 million animals, a ridiculous number of animals. So how can you get everyone on Shavuos, by Shacharis, by Musab, everyone's bringing your It's impossible. So the Gemara says, we know that there was a Tashlumen period that allowed for one to bring a Korban even later. So that's what the Gemara says, is as, is as to why, uh, according to Rav Meir, and according to the other Shita, who was the other one, Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov, that's why the Pasuk said what it said. How do we know that when it comes to Shavuos that one has a week to bring their Korban? So it says the Gemara, Makish, Chag HaShavuos, 
we see that there's a comparison between Shavuos and Pesach. Just like when it comes to Pesach, there's Tashlum in all seven days. Therefore, would, uh, we would extend over to the world of Atzeres that by Shavuos, that it also has a week, says the Gemara. Okay, that's cute, but you forgot one of the holidays. You made a heckish between two holidays, between Shavuos and Pesach. What about Sukkot? The Likesh says the Gemara, eight lines from the bottom, Likesh the Chaga Sukkot. Maybe we should have said Sukkot is a day longer because Shemini Atzeres is attached at the other end. Maybe we should have said that we should compare Shavuos to Sukkot. Malahal and Shemona, just like by Sukkot, we have eight days, not seven like we do by Pesach, but we have eight days to catch up on our lost Korbanos, Afkan Shemona, so to by Shavuos, says the Gemara. We can't say that. Shemini Regel Bifnei Atzmohu. We can't say that because the additional day by Sukkot is not Sukkot, it's really a different Chag. Says the Gemara, When do we say that it's considered a Regal Bifnei Atzmo? I think this is the third time we've seen this. Pazar Kashav is an acronym, an acronym of the differences between Sukkot and Shmini Atzeres. How does that read? It's Pious, Zman, Regal, Korban, Shir, and Bracha. Okay, so we've discussed this before. Pious, they have a new lottery for Kohanim. Um, Zman is the bracha of Shechianu. And uh, Regel and all, we don't have to go through all of them. Now, Rashi details them, all of them, in a very lengthy Rashi of Pazar Kashav. You can look at them. In my Gemara, all of the uh, acronym words are actually highlighted in black. So you can have a look there. But the point is, says the Gemara, that it's only... When do we say that it's a, a regel bifneatzmo, that Shmini Atzeres is distinct from Sukkot? That's only in regards to Pazar Kashab. Four lines from the bottom, uh-huh. last of the short lines of Aliin and Tashlum and Divrei Akol Tashlum and Derishon, who everyone agrees that it's allowed. Ditnan, as the Mishnah writes, Mishelo Chag Yom Tov Harishon Shel Chag, Chogig Es Kol Haregel, Yom Tov Acharon Shel Chag. Everything is included. So then says the Gemara, a little bit of a difficult answer. The Gemara says, Tafasta Meruba, Lo Tafasta. Tafasta muat tafasta. You tried to grab too much. To make the comparison between Shavuos and uh, Sukkot with Shmini Atzeres, asking for eight days of Tashlumen, that's too much. Tafasta merubalot tafasta. Tafasta muat, however, to make the comparison between uh, Shavuos and Pesach, that is more reasonable. And therefore, that is the case. Ella, lamai hilchasa kasve rachman alachaga sukos. So if your comparison is right, that the reason, according to Rav Meir and Rav Lozer ben Yaakov, that the reason why we have the Pasuk of Chag Matos and Chag Shavuos and Chag Sukos is to teach us how many days there are of Tashlumen by Atzeres, by Shavuos, and we learn it from the world of Pesach. But then why do we even have the words of Sukos? You said we can't learn from Sukos because Tafasta Merubalo Tafasta, to grab onto too much, to try and take the bigger of the options, the eight days of Tashlumen, we're not allowed to learn from Sukos. So then why have the psukim by sukkis? Says the Gemara, According to this approach, we have an extra phrase, which is Chag HaSukos. So answers the Gemara, We need to make a comparison still between the world of Sukkis and the world of Matzos. Just like when it comes to the mitzvah, I should say, when it comes to the Chag of, Ma, of, of Pesach, there's an obligation to sleep over in Yerushalayim. Chag HaSukos Ta'onlina. The same is true when it comes 
to uh, Sukkot. How do we know that by Sukkot, that by Pesach, this is the case? Because the Pasuk says, and with this we'll close, So this whole Amud has been speaking about the Isser Darais of Baal Ta'acher. And we spoke about four, at least four different shitas about Baal Ta'acher. Is it any three regalim? Is it three regalim only starting with Pesach? Is it only one regal? Is it two regalim? And we spoke about all of that over this Amud. And then our last major question, question of the Gemara was, what did Rav Meir and Rav Lazar ben Yaakov do with the seemingly extraneous phrase, and we answered the two of the three phrases, the one about uh, Shavuos and, and uh, Pesach are to teach us about the days of Tashlumen for Shavuos, and the one about Sukkot teaches us that Shavuos that, uh, excuse me, the one about the Pasuk about Sukkot teaches us that there is a requirement to sleep over in Yerushalayim on Sukkot, just like there is by Pesach. We'll stop right here at three lines down on Ham and Aleph. Today is, is Wednesday. Wednesday. So tomorrow, Mir Tashem will do a blot and a half getting to the bottom of Vav and Aleph. Wishing you all a beautiful night.